I know that I need to have, at the very least, of course, it depends on the size of the account, 20 different interactions. They have to have a red or white paper, downloaded something, you know, read an email. All these different digital engagements have to happen because you have to deliver, you know, the good quality of your content. You get into snackability. That's Mariana Kogan, CMO of People.ai. She's building a revenue-generating machine by stacking the sales pipeline with leads and getting them to convert. This all starts with a highly personalized strategy to get the right content in front of the right people. Not to mention making sure the content is actually good. 60% of the content um, goes unused. So what is that 40%? So every time that we produce a piece of content, we need to be measured on a weekly basis. Is it being consumed by the accounts that we care about? Mariana is going to take us through her strategies and create a highly personalized, multi-threaded experience which combines conversion research, data, and my favorite thing, the tech stack. This is how you build a quality pipeline that converts into revenue. My name is Dan. I'm the CEO of the leading tech stack agency, McGaw. Each week, I get to speak with great people like Mariana and find out the strategies and tools they're using to drive revenue. Now, let's get into my chat with Mariana. My name is Mariana Kogan. I'm born in Mexico, grew up in Japan, now in the US, and I'm the CMO for PeopleAI. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks so much for being able to join us. Looking forward to being able to chat. You know, can you tell us just a little bit more about like what is PeopleAI and like what do you do there? So PeopleAI is the leader in enterprise revenue intelligence. What is it that it means that we help companies to really accelerate their sales processes, you know, increasing win rate, increasing deal size, and we do it by the magic of the data. We really get, you know, data, we filter it, we match it so that you can really get into building, uh, you know, a predictive sales engine, working together, marketing, sales, customer success. So bottom line, people buy from people. So you talk about this like revenue intelligence and things like that. So I mean, like, how does your product integrate with the stack or like, what does it do to be able to provide that? I'm glad that you asked that question because, you know, integration is almost like the keyword for this conversation. So people AI integrates into Salesforce, Oracle, your CRM, so that you don't have to be, first of all, learning about a new tool, a new technology, but it integrates with Sixth Sense, it integrates with your, you know, marketing automation system. Everything comes together with your Outlook because at the end of the day, what we try to do, if you think about it, we absorb the data from Outlook. You know, your sales reps, each of them has an account. They meet different people on, on daily basis. They have a meeting, they have a Zoom call, they have all these activities. We bring them into CRM. So now for the first time, your CRM has really the data that you need. In your role now, I mean, like, what are your main goals, main KPIs that you're most focused on? The most important one, it's really pipeline. It's really quality pipeline that converts into revenue. So there is a lot of prioritization on really, you know, building pipeline, quality pipeline, I must say. Secondly, it's really creating that, you know, highly personalized experiences so that even if not, it cannot be tracked. 
really making sure that all those different personas are aware about whose people AI, what do we do, who are the customers that are buying from us, what are the KPIs that we deliver to our customers. So really making sure that at the end of the day is that partnership. So it's really that you know pipeline component, that influencing of all these different personas and alignment with sales, because at the end of the day, marketing has to work together with sales. So everything that, that we do at People AI, it's really delivering that KPI of are we passing on the right engagement? Are we supporting our sales team? And when you think about like, so pipeline and quality of pipe is really, really important. I'm curious to understand, like, what are some of the leading indicators that you would track that help you know that you're headed in the right direction? First of all, it was, is your time alignment. Then you start looking at your conversions. You know, one of the technologies that I have used in the past, you know, full circle, I really like them. Um, It allows you to see all the conversions. Once that you understand that digital journey, are you delivering the right number of engagements. So we start tracking our campaigns on a weekly basis. Once that we know, you know, all the accounts that we need to influence, we know where they are from an intent perspective. We look at, you know, our um, six cents on a weekly basis. Then we really need to make sure that all these accounts, the ones that are a little bit more middle of the funnel, we know that they have to request one demo. I know that. No deal is going to close without a request for them. So I had to deliver that all my accounts are a little bit more at my middle of the funnel have requested a demo. So you can look at your paid media, you can look at all these different components, the campaigns, the web performance, you get a lot into, you know, your hot jar. We use, uh, you know, usertesting.com. We use all these different technologies to allow us to see, do we have the ideal experience? Is your web working the way that it should be? Then when it comes a little bit more to, we start progressing on that funnel. I know that I need to have, at the very least, of course, it depends on the size of the, uh, the account, 20 different interactions. What do you mean by interactions? They have to have a red or white paper, downloaded something, you know, read an email. All these different digital engagements have to happen. Because you have to delivering the good quality of your content. You get into snackability. Snackability. I like this. Snackability of the content. You know, people don't read long papers uh, anymore as much. You no know, long things are not as really as important. But, you know, as uh, I think our friends from um, Uberlift explained to, uh, to us, it's about 60% of the content got some, goes um, unused. So what is that 40%? So every time that we produce a piece of content, we need to be measured on a weekly basis. Is it being consumed by the accounts that we care about, by the people that I care about? So then the KPIs go that, that way, coming towards the bottom of the funnel. You have to be delivering one interaction in person. A large enterprise deal is not going to close if there is no one interaction in person. Once you're talking about these 200, 300, half a million dollar deals. So that's a way that we track on a weekly basis the contribution that marketing is, is having. We get, of course, into even your social media, your PR. Everything starts to come together to make sure that those six, 10 people, part of the buying group, know what we do and why we do it the best. 
I want to stop for a moment and talk about snackability. It perfectly describes an issue that I've seen many, many marketers facing for a long time, dwindling attention spans. Content needs to be digestible, or maybe I should say snackable. Mariana wants leads to interact with multiple pieces of content, which means by nature, the content needs to be easy and quick to consume. In the day and age of TikTok, and formerly even when we had smaller clips on Vine, no one wants to read your 60-page PDF anymore. HubSpot Marketing had a great YouTube video that explains this snackable content and gives some great tips. Let's listen to that. In today's world of shorter attention spans, marketers will need to find a shorter way to grab the attention of potential customers. Let me show you how. First off, keep it bite-sized. Think bullet points, lists, short videos. Video marketing is without a doubt one of the most popular forms of snackable content. I'm talking about videos between 30 seconds and four minutes. Next, keep it nutritious and don't make them wait. Infographics are a great example of this. It's a cool way to share high value information in a very tight and efficient way. And lastly, don't forget dessert. Make sure you're leaving links and ways for people to follow, subscribe, and continue to view your content. That's a great video. So I'll leave the link in the show notes and on our website. So if you want to go check out the whole thing, you can. Let's get back to Mariana. I like this because you talked about like, so you have this snackability and you have these interactions that you're tracking. And this really does like kind of ratchet back up to kind of what you had talked about with trying to make sure that you're multi-threading this, right? So it's really trying to get that content in front of every one of these different constituents that's a part of those deals. I'm curious, so you talk about kind of like this buyer's journey, right? And you're tracking the overall buyer's journey, you're multi-threading it. Help me better understand, like, what is your way of tracking this journey? How do you design this? And what's the stack you're using to get there? You start with, you know, your web. We use WordPress. Then you get into Mercado. You got your um, SLDC. Um, you got your Sixth Sense. You got your Drift. You got all these different components uh, working together, you know, Google Analytics and so on. It allows to be able to, and again, because we got all the context into it, because we use our you know, our own technology, <laughs> right? You know, it makes it a little bit easier. I can start seeing what is that level of engagement and how does it work? What is that buyer's journey that people need to travel? You have to be okay with being directionally correct. Yeah. You are never going to be able to get it at 100%, right? Because at the end of the day, every company is a little bit different. Every deal is a little bit different. But there is enough that you can, similar to when you watch Netflix, you know, when they, you watch a movie and then they recommend you the next. You know, there's enough data to say that prob- chances are that if you watch this one, you're going to like the next one. So similar to that is we've been able to get to the point that I know the volume of interactions, the type of interactions that have to happen at the top, at the middle, and then to be able to get to that, you know, late stage pipeline. But we've been able by now to track it to a point that is we're directionally very comfortable on the decisions that that we make on daily basis with, you know, with campaigns, with personas, with content. You have this buyer journey and it sounds like you're comfortable with directional compared to definitive, as I would say. How are you like improving the experience as they go through that customer journey or augmenting that experience to reach the end result, which them being in pipeline? There's so many things that come into play. <laughs> That's a, that is a complicated question to answer because especially now in the post-pandemic world where we have to be looking at virtual and in-person you have to start combining different technologies to be able to deliver that, um, you know, soon. 
you get into your events, whether it's one testing experience, what is it that you can do to really help the right people also to meet with the right people? Because that's the other thing that we help with. Not everybody can be experts on everything. So the more that you can combine, you know, people that enjoy the same topics or topics that might not be as related to what you do, but you start delivering value, that also starts creating the credibility. Because remember, when somebody buys from you as a technology company, they're buying today, but they're also buying a future. They're buying the future of innovation. And that's why you have to have different ways to be, you know, enriching the experience as people travel through the funnel. Well, tell me how, like, when you think about somebody going from the top of the funnel to the middle of the funnel or to the bottom of the funnel, I mean, what are some of the tactics that you're doing to personalize that or make sure that, because going back, you had mentioned you need to have 20 interactions with your content. So I'm assuming there's some sort of way that you're uh, making that content readily available to them. Yes, absolutely. And I actually spoke to uh, somebody yesterday that is starting to get much more into technologies like a mutiny that, you know, creates uh, like a digital experience per account. There's technologies now out there that are starting to create that room so that you can have, you know, like a people AI room so that everybody can be there. You've got technologies like Pat Factory that allows you to build that sequence of uh, content consumption you have to be really leveraging your data, your technologies to make sure that you deliver the right content to the right person at the right time. One of the things that we're doing more and more is video. And that's been, you know, it's a challenge for some companies. Everybody's used to writing, but now it's really video. And it's that short, snackable video that is one of the, uh, you know, one of the assets that is converting the most, being much more personal. No, we just had a couple of conferences in the last, uh, you know, couple of weeks, making sure that you you have your, your iPhone. By now, technology is out there that allows you to do many more things faster than maybe once upon a time where it will take you like maybe three months to put together a video. Now it's a snackable. Go to the point. Who are you? Why do you use a technology? What's the benefits that you're seeing? I'm curious, like, can you help me better understand, you talk about using video in the experience. How are you using video to influence pipeline or influence lead gen? As an example, a product release. Rather than it being that relatively, you know, long, maybe two days of presentations, we actually recorded it in a studio in San Francisco. We almost follow this, almost like a, studio editing world, a little bit like cha- episodes in a mini series. <laughs> and then you make sure that every uh, session is very short and it's really to the point. Then we went to edit it and we created like 40 different pieces of content. Wow. That now can be, yeah, because if you think about it, once that you record, um, I think it was about an hour and a half. It's got so many different moments. And the different moments apply to different people. So you can put it in different, you know, email campaigns. You can put it in different um, LinkedIn campaigns. But now you created that piece that really delivers value. And you can present it to the right person at the right time. You go back to your website. The assets that convert the most are video. That's where people are spending, you know, a lot of their time. 
So then that product release, it actually by now had at the beginning, it was very executive. We had our CEO doing in our presentation. Then we had an analyst. That's a little bit more of your middle of the, the funnel. And then we have the product demo. But it was actually done not through the eyes of you click here and you click there, but really more through the eyes of somebody who uses the technology, which actually speaking of, you know, demos online, Walnut does a really good job. It creates those, you know, short demos that allow you to deliver a demo, like almost like on the spot without having to wait for, you know, booking the demo. So that's what we did. So that way the content is more snackable. It talks to many different people. And we had out of the um, hour and a half, about 60% of the people staying for close to the one hour, if I'm not too off on the, uh, on the stats, is only when you have your contacts and your activities match to your opportunities in your CRM that you can start building that revenue intelligence that let us, you know, lets you know what is that ideal engagement. How many people do you really need to be engaging? As you know, we're getting to a world that, especially in the enterprise uh, world, you have to be engaging with six, 10, 15 different people, part of your, you know, your buyer group, and you have to know how, when. Are you engaging at the right level? Are you multi-thread? When you put all those multipliers together, it's when technology starts delivering really value. I actually bought People.ai in, in 2019. When I bought it, I was working for PTC, a very large, you know, about 1.5 billion, you know, in revenue, you know, global technology company. And we only had 0.6 of a contact per opportunity. 0.6. It really means that if you're going to be running, like trying to understand what is that ideal buyer's journey or your ideal customer engagement, you would assume that if you only talk with 0.6 of a person, you're going to close the deal because, you know, if you go and look into the data, it says that you only have 0.6. And most probably that 0.6 is somebody in procurement, in the legal team, somebody that actually had to get the purchase order. But in reality, you need 6, 10, 20. So those contacts need to be brought into CRM. Once that you have your data, it has to be filtered. It has to be matched at the opportunity level. Especially, you know, you have a, you know, an audience that follows things at this level of detail, but large enterprises tend to have a very messy CRM. I call it the collateral damage of success. <laughs> you sell into, I don't know, you know, a large company, you know, Coca-Cola, G, you name it. It's complicated, so it has to be matched correctly. And that's the beauty of what People.ai does. It matches it where it belongs to in your CRM so that now you can really see what are the interactions that you're having. Do you really have the right level of engagement? Because remember, you could be talking with only one person. You could be meeting with somebody in this account on a weekly basis. You know, once a week you meet on Zoom or you go for a beer, but that is not being multi-thread. And we know that you know, multi-thread deals increase their win rate by 34%. So by having the data, you can now start making sure that you're running your business the way that it should be. We sell to very large enterprises. That really means that we have to be multi-thread. 
multi-threading is an effective way to increase one's chance at converting a lead, as it involves multiple stakeholders to build momentum across an organization. However, creating content for multi-threading can be pretty challenging. It is an essential thing to understand the relationship between these business units and create personal connections that demonstrate why you are the right choice. Getting the messaging right for each one of these personas when you're doing multi-threading is not something you should just wing it on. We talked about this before in one of our episodes with Narula Sharifi, the VP of Sales Development at Sendoso. He's been crushing it with multi-threading for a long time. Now that we've got good amount of opportunities that are qualified, it's, hey, how do we start to get multiple different stakeholders involved early on in the process to build that trust and credibility? Some of the metrics that we see when, you know, I think this is kind of sales-wide, but here specifically at Sendoso, when we see three or more prospects involved, into the sales process, and prospects I mean different stakeholders and different functions within the company, our sales win rates increase by three to four X. I highly recommend going back and listening to that episode. Narula had a ton of great knowledge that I just don't have the time to share today. And even I learned a ton of stuff from it and I've read books on this stuff. Just remember, with more stakeholders involved, there's more of a chance that things can go wrong. If people don't get aligned, they are going to back out. If you aren't focusing on this, you could end up siloing each one of these constituents into their own areas, which at closing time can actually blow up the deal. There's a great book called The Challenger Customer. It's all about this stuff. Just go over to Amazon or Google and Google Challenger Customer. Give it a read. It is absolutely amazing. It talks all about how you can multi-thread these deals, how you can close them, and how people typically blow it up. It's an amazing book for salespeople and marketers. I was curious, though, about Mariana's perspective on getting alignment coming from these other companies. And she says it's all about collecting the data and getting that multi-threading going. Let's hear what she had to say. In a sense, we sell to the head of sales. We sell to the head of operations, sales ops, rev ops, you know, you name it, depending on the company. But you also have to have your IT constituency because, you know, they're the ones who are going to be installing it. And I'm already telling you five of the different personas that we need to be working with. So from a marketing perspective, you have to make sure that you can deliver a personalized experience to all of them, but it has to work together. And that's where you get sometimes into the challenge when it comes to creating content. How do you create content that is, you know, we're, we're going to have a big um, you know, release in the uh, next couple of uh, months with much more of that artificial intelligence. But you have to engage everybody because if uh, marketing does not deliver content for that, you know, IT persona, infosec, and you're not multi-thread, the probability is that your deal is going to be delayed, is going to be sent to the next quarter because it's not a priority from one member of the buying group that maybe you didn't quite prioritize. So you have these, this video experience and you're trying to make sure that you have a personalized experience. You talked a little bit about how you're tracking the buyer's journey. I'm curious, like, how do you leverage? So like you talked, one of the things we talked about earlier in the pre-interview was account intelligence to improve that pipeline. How does this all work together, right? You know who the account is, you have this video or you have this snackable content and you're then using that to optimize the buyer journey. I guess like, how does this all work together to really using that account intelligence now to improve pipeline? In the B2B space, as I mentioned at the beginning, we sell into accounts, but people buy from people. So it's not enough just to say that 
X, Y, and Z company has a high intent as a company. Now you have to influence those people. You have to understand the relations. So one of the products that People AI has is the relationship maps. You have to understand who reports into whom. You need to understand for larger accounts, what is the connection between one business unit and the next business unit? How do you break into the next business unit? Because that's where you're going to have a lot of your white space. And you know that it's much easier to expand an existing customer than going and get one more. They already know you. They're just not on that portion. That's why, you know, account intelligence becomes extremely important. When we uh, review, you know, pipeline on a weekly basis, we look at the fact that who is that persona that we're missing? Let's say that we're missing the head of InfoSec. It might not be our uh, the persona that I normally create content for, but if I start seeing that happening across many accounts, it's time to maybe spin off a microsite for InfoSec. It's time to maybe do a round table for CIOs because you have that account intelligence, you know, especially again for, you know, larger enterprises, you have to understand who's who in the zoo. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I guess like over the past like 12 or 24 months, right? Like has there been any unique campaigns which have really drove a big win to hit pipeline? There's been a couple of campaigns that have been very good. We just did one rolling out the uh, People at Revenue Command Center. That was really good. And then the one that I just mentioned to you on the product rollout, it now became a campaign on its own right. And I can tell you that about maybe 30% of the registrants that were not existing customers requested a meeting with sales. Interesting. That's big. That's when marketing starts delivering accountability towards delivering, you know, pipeline. It was not just, you know, as you were asking at the very beginning of the uh, of the show, you know, what are the KPIs that I use? Yes, we started with registrations, absolutely. Then we spoke about attendees. Then we spoke about how long do people stay in the event. But then we got into how many people requested to meet with sales. What accounts? Was it accounts that we care about or accounts that maybe are not part of our TAM? And the ones that requested a meeting with us, literally in within a week, I already had enough pipe to say that I had delivered at the very least a 10x from the investment. You also just talked a little bit about like creating these in-person experiences. Can you talk to me a little bit more about like how do you make in-person experiences? What are those like? And then as well as what technology is supporting you in closing those accounts and those experiences? I just actually did a road show with, uh, with Six Sense. We went around the country. We had about maybe five, six dinners, making sure that we deliver uh, value. There is something that I haven't tried, but it's something that I'm really looking to be able to implement is this company in Holland, I believe that is called Purple, so that you can do much better interactive digital experiences in person. I'm really uh, excited about, you know, potentially getting to work soon. It allows you on a trade show or it allows you to even build like a little container that you can take around the, uh, the country with you. And then people can really feel the experience. With all this data, it's almost like being CSI. You know, you can put everything together. Wouldn't it be nice 
to have those, you know, screens that are offering that virtual reality. And you can really see, feel that you can really control what you're doing, that you have the data points, just like in some of these, you know, TV shows. I'm interested to see, like, when you think about, like, I don't know if you've played with the Oculus at all, but, like, how this creates this new virtual experience. And and I've played a lot with Oculus. Two of my kids have them. And, you know, they were a novelty, but I think, like, there's a way to be able to use Oculus in a business environment to create, like, ship somebody an Oculus and have some sort of experience in there for them, which connects them to your brand. You know, you've been very fortunate to work at big companies like PTC. Of course, you see a lot of cool things now. I'm interested to see, like, what do you think is kind of the future of technology? Like, do we think VR is going to become along with it? Like, how are we going to use these cool things in technology to really be able to kind of push that experience farther? I always remind people that being in the B2B space, it doesn't really mean that you're selling into all buildings. Like, you know, it's okay to have a fax machine, you know, because you're selling into an enterprise. It's really B2H. It's a business to human. Yeah, I agree. It is a person. And that person spends time during the day, Amazon.com, Netflix.com, all these different, you know, super cool technologies. They're playing with their kids. You just mentioned it on all this technology. And it doesn't mean that after you finish being with your kids, you're going to say, okay, now it's okay to go back to the fax machine. Dad is now going back to work. So now bring the fax machine, the paper and the pencil. There has to be a continuation. And I think that we're going to get to the point. I am telling you, I'm super excited. Hopefully very soon, I'm going to be able to take this to creating that content of the future where you can literally feel how we sit that it is to be able to know, are you engaging to the right person? Are you engaging too much with the wrong person? Because there's also that. And that I think you can do it. Can you imagine if you had in Oculus and you will feel like if you were in, you know, in a command center where you can see out of all your reps, which ones are performing the way that they should, how's marketing behaving, how many contacts do you have? Your account-based selling starts happening And all that, the more that you can experience physically, the more that you will be able to say, hey, you know, this makes sense. The future is here. In the GTM space, the future is here. This mindset that Mariana is talking about is crucial, but so many marketers tend to forget it. A one-to-one connection is essential. Not only do you create a more personalized and intimate experience, but it also helps you build trust and loyalty between your customers and your business. By engaging in this type of individualized communication, the customers can feel heard, respected, and valued. And validation in the sales process is extremely important. These connections can be used to uncover more information about a customer's needs and their interests. This enables your business to better tailor your products and services and your messaging to that customer. As an example, if a customer is looking for a particular item, such as a particular feature or a price point, a salesperson can ask follow-up questions in order to determine the most suitable situation or option for them. Something like this is not always possible just through automated emails, and it can be really important to get into a customer call. I make it a point at my company, UTM.io, to get in as many customer calls as I can, even though the price point of our product does not always mean that we should be getting into that call. But I'm able to learn from the customers, build relationships, and better design our products to serve their goals. 
Furthermore, interacting with customers on an individual level gives you the insights that you might be lacking on the overall customer experience and allows you to make changes accordingly. It's clear that this one-to-one -one connection is a key thing to building strong bonds between your business and your clients. This level of closeness allows you to actually provide a better customer experience and understand the nuances that you can't get from your analytics. You actually get to know their preferences and their pain points and their frustrations about your product. That's why Mariana spoke earlier about making sure every person has at least one interaction with a person at her company. Now, if you're like me and you're all about the product-led growth motion, you know many customers don't want to talk to salespeople anymore. So it's really, really important to know how to use your PLG motion to still drive one-on-one -on -one conversations. Or you need to know when your PLG motion should be running the whole thing and you should not be having any conversations because it's actually bad for your business. Let's jump back into the conversation with Mariana. She had some great points in the interview that she wanted to talk about with diversity and digital transformation. Tell me just a little bit more about like how diversity works for you and then as well as your role in the workplace. This is a topic that I am extremely passionate uh, about. As you know very well from the stats, female Latin in technology, one percentage. Once you get to the title is 0 0.00, whatever, one percentage, which is something that is a little bit very sad because it creates a lose-lose scenario rather than a win-win scenario. We know that more diverse companies are more innovative and deliver much better financial results. And knowing that, it's still sometimes not a priority. So for me, it's my responsibility to make sure that I help not only other minorities, but my peers to make sure that they can help to change this through mentorship, and sponsorship, which is even more important. And sponsorship is finding that person who's going to talk about you when you're not at the room. Finding that person who's going to put his or her political capital to say, you know, I think that this person should be allowed to work in this project. And making sure that that sponsorship, you know, continues so for me, that's extremely important. It's been one of my secret weapons. It allows me to build really powerful teams because I look for the person who can do the best job. It doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter if they have an accent. It doesn't matter if they might have to finish work at five o'clock and then start later on, whatever flexibility is, is needed because that diversity is what allows you to do a digital transformation is what allow you to do things that haven't been thought before. So total passion and even more than a passion, my responsibility, my obligation to do it. What a treat it was to speak with Mariana. Time to go over the top takeaways. First, Mariana told us about content snackability. Snackability is a strategy for creating quick and easy to digest content to engage potential customers. Mariana's strategy involves making sure prospects get at least 20 interactions, which help them move down the pipeline. In a world where attention spans are short, snackability is becoming key for a successful customer engagement. For some companies, creating short-form videos on TikToks and Reels is helping them convert leads. In a lot of cases, videos are more likely to grab somebody's attention compared to just sending some text. If the video is well-crafted, it can effectively explain complex topics and sometimes in an entertaining way. 
Additionally, the video gives you higher engagement rates than other forms of written content. So creating a compelling video in an effective manner can drive conversions. Next, we talked about multi-threading. Multi-threading is a crucial element for success in bigger business deals, as it allows you to address the needs of multiple stakeholders, you know, the buying committee, simultaneously while building stronger relationships. Alignment, though, is key when multi-threading, as it ensures each stakeholder understands how their actions contribute to the overall goal. Well, that's if you know how to tee them up and get them into that position. When done right, multi-threading increases win rates, and it makes you and the stakeholders an invaluable part of that actual deal. By using account intelligence from products like PeopleAI and others, businesses can provide personalized experiences for their customers. I highly recommend going back in our podcast episodes and listening to the episode with Narula Sharifi, the VP of Sales Development at Sendoso. His episode was all about this and had a ton of stuff you should learn. Last, you can never forget you're selling to people. These are humans, my guy, not ChatGPT robots, okay? Your decisions need to go through the lens of making their journey personable. Establishing trust requires more than just delivering technical solutions. It requires empathy, something I know some of us don't always realize we should have. And we have to understand what is going on on the other side. What are the customer's needs? What are their objectives? And we need to make it about them. Midway through the sales cycle, it's important to keep checking in with all of the stakeholders and understanding where they're at, even if their role is no longer directly related to the purchase of the decision. While they may not be directly related to the purchase, they could still throw your deal sideways if you lose track of them. This is covered in depth if you read the book, Challenge Your Customer. It is literally a required read for all salespeople at all of my companies. It is written by the same authors of The Challenger Sale, one of the most famous sales books, period. At the end of the day, selling comes down to selling people on something, whether it's an idea or product. So it's vital for you to create an experience that speaks to their needs, not yours. It is all about being empathetic to them and being helpful. Well, that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you take the moment to subscribe and please give us a rating. Even if it's only four stars, we'd love to see how you're liking these shows. My name is Dan McGaugh and I'll see you next week with a new guest. 